ultimately, we want everyone to think about the importance of promoting the brand, promoting these events, and how ultimately that impacts our bottom line. So it's just kind of us educating them, but then everybody thinking about it as a team sport to drive registrations. Hello, and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. I sat down with Nikki Beam, VP of Marketing at Namely, about how virtual events can be used at every stage of the funnel. That's right, every stage, including bottom of the funnel closing events. I know virtual events, woof. Even Zoom fatigue is fatigued as a term. I get it. But Nikki believes that a funnel-based approach to virtual events is the key to creating bottom line impact. And she and her team at Namely have done just that. So sit down, relax, grab a cocktail as I chat with Nikki about using virtual events to be closing events. Hey, Nikki, welcome to Boston Full. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited for our conversation today. I understand that we did send you a cocktail kit. You are drinking with me, but have opted for something a little less intense. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited. I will definitely be having the whiskey drink later tonight, but do have to pick up my kids in a little bit. So I figured I'd do something a little bit lighter. I've got a, a small glass of white wine. So appreciate it though. We are in the same boat. I am drinking a Truly because of that same reason. <laughs> Just just don't want to be coming in hot at pickup. Uh, well, I'm excited to have you today. We had actually approached Nikki after seeing something that she shared on LinkedIn regarding a really cool virtual event that they had done. And I know everyone's like, oh, virtual events. I get it. This one actually made us stop and say, that one seems really interesting. And when we started diving in a little bit to Namely's event strategy, specifically virtual events, we saw some interesting differentiators and it made us think we should talk to you about how you're treating events and how you're playing them, how you're deciding which ones to go after. So what we're going to talk about specifically today, though, is how virtual events can actually impact the funnel and not just at the top. And I think it's going to be really interesting to most of our listeners, their SaaS marketers, SaaS founders, and this virtual event fatigue certainly hasn't stopped and figuring out how you can actually create these virtual events that are going to benefit current customers and prospects and help your sales team is something that not everyone's quite figured out yet. So Nikki, before we dive into that, would love some background on who you are. If you could give us a quick history of your journey into B2B SaaS, and then specifically, now that you're at Namely, what you do there and why that company exists. I'm currently in the role of VP of Marketing at Namely. I actually have always been in the B2B SaaS space. I started out on the product advisor side, so more in a pre-sales or solution consultant role. My job was to be a product expert, know the ins and the outs of what the platform can do and really present that to prospects in demonstrations. So 
definitely more pre-sales side. I did that for several years at a larger company, more enterprise focused, um, still in the HR tech space, actually. And then I made the jump over to Namely. We focus a little bit more on the mid-size to small business. Still was doing those product demonstrations, loved the product. And my previous boss actually suggested or threw out if I would have any interest in kind of taking over the product marketing function at Namely. It was something that wasn't really uh, built out yet. He thought it'd be a good fit just with my passion for the product, the knowledge that I had there. And I thought it sounded pretty intriguing. So I decided to kind of make the jump from pre-sales to marketing. That was about three years ago. Definitely learned a lot since then. I've taken on all the different aspects of marketing since. Um, And right now, kind of under the marketing umbrella, namely, we've got content and brand, demand generation, and also the sales development and BDR team. And there's a lot to have under under marketing. Was there always a virtual event strategy or were you like many marketing leaders where when the world shut down and it became digital forest, all of a sudden it was like, hey, virtual events, got to do them. Yes, a little bit of both. So we have dabbled in virtual events since I've been at Namely. We certainly always did things like product webinars here and there. It was, I don't want to say haphazard, but it wasn't a big part of our program. It was something we would do when it made sense. We participated more in the in-person events of those big conferences, the user groups that are important to your audience base. Those were part of our strategy, but it definitely wasn't something that became so pivotal and so important to us until, until COVID happened. And it actually opened up a lot of opportunities. And we think it's something that's going to be big for us, uh, even into 2022 and beyond, because we've just seen a lot of success. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I'm pretty choosy with the virtual events that I attend. It's interesting. I mean, because you could fill your entire day, should you want to, um, with virtual events, different shapes and sizes. I just found myself attending less and less. And so to hear a company like you who is maintaining successful virtual events is interesting. So we wanted to dive into that. I do feel like there are pretty common mistakes that marketers make when approaching virtual events. And in some of your your pre-show notes that you sent me, you tend to agree. It starts with, I, I think, just figuring out why are we doing it in the first place? Like, what is the purpose of it? So I wanted to unpack with you some of the common mistakes that you see marketers making when embarking on a virtual event strategy. And I hesitate to say strategy because maybe you're going to say, well, that's a problem. They don't have strategy. But So let's just say virtual events, period. Sure, absolutely. So there's definitely lots of mistakes. We are super guilty of making some ourselves throughout this journey of, of moving into virtual events. I think one of the big ones is exactly like you said, kind of defining what's the main purpose of this particular event. Um, and I think a lot of people do think it is always going to be thought leadership. It's always going to be top of funnel. It's just to get your brand name out there. But for us, we really want to have events that are targeted each level of the funnel. So you define that up front of what it is. And that doesn't mean that you can't get more than that out of each event. But I think you do have to have kind of that North Star, the, the guiding principle of it. And that should define what your messaging is going to be, how you're going to promote it, and also what are going to be those KPIs that you're going to use to measure success. And it's going to vary depending on the goal for that event. So I think that's that's a big mistake I've seen. Another thing is just not allowing enough time to promote the event. Because of virtual, it's allowed you to much more quickly kind of spin something up. You can kind of get it on the calendar even for the next week if you wanted to. But I think you kind of miss out on a lot of opportunity if you don't leave at least kind of like a month, I would say, to really get it out there on all your social channels. 
make sure it's something that's being shared. Make sure you've got time to send a few different emails to your database uh, to get it out there. So I think making sure that you do have an organized event calendar. So you kind of are predicting what's coming. You leave room to pivot in case there's a hot topic that you really want to cover, but you're not just trying to throw it together last minute and get registrations in the door that week. And the only other thing I'd say too that I know was huge for us and was kind of a game changer once we figured this out to making virtual events something we wanted to be a more critical part of our marketing strategy was what do you do with those people once they register? So it's awesome. You've got this big event, a bunch of people register, you add all these new contacts to your database, but that doesn't really do much for the business if you don't have a really well thought out strategy for how you're going to nurture those people down funnel. How are you going to continue to keep them engaged with your brand? And how are you going to hopefully get them to convert where they actually start to engage in a sales cycle downstream? So for us, we take a two pronged approach with that. We have a kind of a new to the database nurture that's designed specifically for anybody that has never interacted with Namely before. It's a nurture that kind of introduces them to us, but also gets them used to some of our other content. And then we also try to have nurtures more specific to the event topic for people that have been a part of Namely, but now we know that they're interested in this particular area. So I would imagine when many people sit down to to plan their virtual event strategy, it's based on a calendar where we're, we're planning just based on the dates and the topics, and we're, we're putting these into our calendar. I realize people can't see us, so you can't show anything. So let's say, is it in a 90-day? And what are those fields that you're inputting information? How do you plan for your virtual events? Is it based on funnel stage? Is it based on type? All the above? Kind of a little bit of everything. So we have an events and content calendar that we manage. There's I'm sure much better tools to do it, but we love Google Sheets (laughs) for ours. I got a Google Sheets calendar that we leverage. Um, And what we try to do is every single month, we know that we're going to do two to three events. We consistently do a product webinar, which is our mid-funnel event that we do for prospects. It gets leads, people that are kind of in that maybe awareness consideration stage. We always do a thought leadership event, and we do that based on the, the monthly campaign theme that we're running that particular month. And so that one is going to be, you know, the last one we just did was what the work from anywhere economy means for payroll and compliance. So we're doing a campaign on all things payroll. It was National Payroll Week this month. Woohoo! Favorite week of the year. Yeah, super exciting. And it might not be to most people, but to our payroll audience, it certainly is. (laughs) That was um, an area that we really focus on. And then It's harder to do the closing events every single month just because it usually requires a lot more moving parts. You usually want a happy client to be involved. You may want some leadership to come present. So we aim to do those every other month. Um, So we kind of know that we have those placeholders in. We know that we want to do those. And then what we try to do is plan out with those themes based on what are hot topics, what keywords are we seeing that are surging, what are things that are really important to our target audience at this given time, and then plan those events around it. So you have thought leadership at the top, product mid, and bottom is what you call a closing event. Can you talk us through some specific examples of each of these? Yeah, absolutely. So again, the thought leadership events, that's kind of the one that I just went through with the the payroll, work from anywhere economy. Next month, we are doing one on don't fear the great resignation. We've all heard about the great resignation. That's huge for HR right now giving them tips and tricks to combat it for their workforce. So it's really just focused on stuff that's going to drive a lot of registrations that people in your audience are going to be excited about um, and people want to join. So we think of that as kind of these database database growth type of campaigns. 
Okay. So that is giving all the email addresses. Exactly. Getting all the email addresses. Yeah. And one of the ones, I think the one that you actually reached out to us on that you were the most interested on was what we called our lunch and laugh series. And that we thought of for sure as more of that top of funnel type of event. It was something that we really did to just kind of have fun to get the Namely brand out there in a fun way. People were super fatigued, like you said, from events. We knew they were kind of sick of awkward uh, happy hours on Zoom. So awkward. So awkward. Um, I hope to never do one again. But we wanted something that kind of still was lighthearted and enjoyable, but people could kind of be on mute. They didn't necessarily have to have these awkward interactions. It was a good way for our brands to be presented. We could also do a small product demo that kind of was funny and went along with the theme. But again, we knew it would just drive a lot of registrations. And, And what we saw was that one was great because people would invite their whole team to join. They're like, oh, this would be fun for us all to do at lunchtime and kind of watch this comedian show together. So again, we've got those at the top, all designed to just kind of bring in those emails, like you said. Then kind of the mid-funnel ones are usually focused around any type of product or service. So we do monthly product webinars. It's a product demonstration. It just kind of gives them a flavor for what the product can offer, the value that it can bring to their organization. Or we'll focus it on if we've got any new service areas that we're launching. We recently launched this thing that we're calling a PEO graduation package. It's specifically designed to help people transition from their PEO over to an HR technology, which all might sound like gibberish to anybody not in the HR <laughs> HR tech space. But we, we can focus on an event that really goes into that, gets people excited, understand the value of it. And those we consider warmer. People that register for that, they're clearly showing a little bit more buying intent than somebody who just wants to watch a comedian. So we can pass those people in our sweet spot directly to sales and to the SDR team to start outreaching to them nurturing a little bit closer and trying to get on the phone. Is that product demo, is that at the same day, same time every month? Yeah, we tend to do it mid-month. It's not necessarily always the same day, same time, but we, we like to do it mid-month because it gives us enough chance to get registrations in because, again, that's key. Whenever we try to do too many or do it too early in the month, it just doesn't give you enough time for people to kind of see it and get registered. But then it also is enough time to impact that month SAL goals because the SDR team can start working it and start converting it within the same month. And is that something where if I'm a, if I'm a prospect that I can join on your website. So it's like, click here to join our free product demo on this date and time. Yep, that's exactly right. So we always have a banner on that says, you know, learn more, attend this product webinar, we'll have some pop ups, pop ups actually drive a lot of registrations for us as well, having different pop ups in relevant places throughout the website. Every now and then we'll do some email pushes around it. We do have our sales team included in their email signature. So things like that to drive the registrations. But we always know we're going to get a pretty consistent amount each month of people that want to attend that. That's good to know. And is that an actual live demo or is it a pre-recorded demo and then someone's watching the comments and questions? We do it live. So I've seen it done both ways. Um, We've tried the recorded. It doesn't, in my opinion, give the same interactive feel. Uh, I think people like to know what's kind of going on. If you you can dabble in some recent topics that are maybe important and just kind of show that we're tying this particular demo that we're doing to things that are probably top of mind to the prospects right now. Um, And it does allow for live questions too, which I think just kind of plays better. The bottom of the funnel, the closing event. This one is a little more nebulous to me because again, I'm one of those people that thinks top of the funnel, maybe mid funnel I get with the, the product demo webinar. 
So bottom, the closing event, what type of events qualify here? So our closing events, we really focus on events that our sales reps are going to love sending their current opportunities to because it's going to help move the needle. And that could be opportunities that maybe have gone dark for a little bit that aren't responding. And this gives them another chance in the door to kind of get them re-engaged and re-excited. Or it could be ones that are actually really actively engaged, they're loving Namely, and now it just gives them another touch point to hear why we're so amazing and they should choose to go with our solution. So we have done two really successful types of closing events that we kind of continue to do on repeat. One we call a live case study. And what's always effective, and I think pretty much every marketer probably leverages, is client testimonials that you put on your website, having you know case studies that you can send out as a brochure format to your prospects. This is kind of a twist on that where we have a customer that's obviously an advocate for our solution present live to prospects and just talk about their journey, why they pick Namely, what were the struggles that they have with their previous solution, how Namely has really helped solve those issues for them. And then they take questions live as well. So it's just a very real way for prospects to get you know direct feedback from a peer, from somebody that's in the same role as them at a similar size business to really understand why we're a good fit solution for them. And we've seen those be super effective for our sales team. They get really great feedback. And it's also a great way to not burn out uh, your referenceable clients. So obviously, you know, everybody wants to kind of talk to somebody before they make a decision. And this is a great way to do ultimately a one-to-many reference call. Is somebody from Namely essentially moderating that conversation and guiding that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We rotate on the marketing team. One of the girls on my marketing team is awesome at it. So we usually flag her to be our MC. Um, And she kind of does that, moderates the conversation, will ask some questions and kind of guide some of the conversation with the client. Okay. And then you said you have, in addition to the live customer case study, you have one other event that you use. Yeah. So this is something that's evolved a bit. It's called, we call it Namely Connections. Same concept, focus on prospects, a closing event. We actually used to do it in person. So it was something, it was a regional event that we did prior to COVID. We picked specific cities that we know. We've got a large prospect base. We have a lot of clients um, and we'd host these events in person. They're really successful, great engagement, great way for the sales reps to build in-person relationships. Since we do a lot of our business virtually, we had done that even prior to COVID just because size of our deals. We, we do a lot of the demos and the sales calls just over the web. This is a great way to just get some of that in-person interaction. But when obviously COVID happened, we had to cancel. I think our next step event was going to be in DC and that immediately got squashed when the lockdown happened. So we thought about, can we still get the same impact, but doing these events virtually? And we, we've had really great success with those. The difference between them and the live case studies, they're a little bit more robust. We do still include that client testimonial, but we also bring in leadership from our product side to just kind of discuss the vision of our product, the product direction and roadmap. We bring in people from service and implementation so they can understand what the partnership's going to look like, should they choose to go with Namely, how we're going to make that a smooth process and how they're going to work with us. And then again, we bring in those happy clients as well. So it's still the same thing, but it just gives them more touch points and more visibility to our leadership team and I think our internal company culture. How do you go about setting expectations around each of those events in terms of results? Because depending on if it's top, mid, or bottom, different expectations. And do you set those up front? Is everyone seemingly aligned on expectations for results? I think so now. Yeah, I think we've gotten into a good stride as a business. But what we what we try to do is 
you know, there's different KPIs that we monitor um, based on the type of event that it is. So our team now is pretty well aware. We're looking mostly at registrations and attendance when it comes to those thought leadership. We want to see how many people we get that are interested in the topics we picked, which we can tell by registrations, how many people cared enough to show up. And also, did we do a good enough job reminding them (laughs) to show up and kind of making sure they knew the event was happening. But also, we like to look at those, how many net new contacts we get from those events. Are we introducing ourselves to a broader audience? Are we just kind of hitting the same people over and over again? So that's kind of the focus areas there. If we if we get a very few amount of registrants, we will see that as kind of a miss for that particular event. Whereas for closing events, we could get 30 registrants. We don't care if it's small, but if it's super impactful and we get close one deals, that's our goal for that. So we're not looking to try to get hundreds of registrants for those smaller events. We're really trying to make sure that they're impactful ones, ones that it's actually going to move the needle for. And that's why for those, we also put much more of the registration emphasis on the sales team. They're the ones that work closely with the prospects. They're the ones that have that relationship and kind of know where they're at in the buying cycle. So they should be the ones that take a lot more ownership for driving registrations to those types of closing events. And we do give each of them kind of a a light quota, if you will, of our expectations um, that they should drive in terms of registrations. And closing event, same, I would imagine. That is for the closing events, yeah. And I do like that distinction on marketing is driving registration on more of those top of the funnel thought leadership, and then sales is responsible for driving registration on more of that mid and bottom funnel. If you have, let's say it's a thought leadership top of the funnel and you have low registration, can you usually point that back to it was the topic or it was the promotion or a combo? I think a combo, I definitely think sometimes it might not even be the topic, it might be how you worded the topic. So it was your headline or title for the event just lost in the sea of a bunch of stuff very similar to it. So did we do enough time kind of thinking through how we want to phrase that, that it's going to get people's attention and resonate with what they're worried about? So I think that's important. But you know, where we've seen the biggest issues with driving registrations is if we just, again, didn't leave enough time to do it, and we didn't pull all the triggers that we should. And you know, just thinking about registrations as a whole for those top of funnel events, we think of it very much as like a full team sport. It's not something that one person necessarily is responsible for. It touches multiple channels in marketing. We definitely drive most of our registrations from emails. So if you are not kind of planning ahead or in advance and you don't have time to send out, you know, a big email push, but also a last chance to register email, then that can lose you a lot of registrations. We want to make sure it's promoted in newsletters, potentially do newsletter placements with some of our sponsors or partners to make sure we're driving as much traffic there as possible. But we also get a lot from organic social. Of course, we at times, depending on the event, have put in some paid, paid digital, paid social But um, organic can be really huge and really free, as you know. So it's a great way to get people on the marketing team, of course, to share, of course, the Namely profile to share. But we really push people in our payroll department, people in our HR department who obviously have other HR connections, and that's our target audience. We want to make sure that they're posting that stuff on their social. And then we push the entire go-to-market and the entire company to share. So one of the things that we actually do every single month is what we call social storm. And the goal of that is to turn every employee in the company into like a brand advocate and a marketer for Namely. And so we always promote these events and we ask on this specific day for everyone to share. 
we do a little gamification. If you share, you get entered in a raffle, you can get a gift card. Um, Each month we do a gift card drawing. But ultimately, we want everyone to think about the importance of promoting the brand, promoting these events, and how ultimately that impacts our bottom line. So it's just kind of us educating them, but then everybody thinking about it as a team sport to drive registrations. Can you tell us about a an event failure that you had and maybe a little postmortem on it? So one of the ones that we did earlier this year that we thought was going to be really big because we had done something similar in the past just around when you have a changing administration, presidential administration, that can obviously lead to a lot of change from a compliance perspective. And again, our audience is HR. So we were really excited. We were doing you know, an, a, a webinar on the first 100 days, the Biden's impact on payroll benefits and compliance. And we were going to put spend behind it because we knew that this in the past had driven a lot of uh, registrations for us. And it took us a little while to find out that uh, social actually rejected it. We weren't getting any of the promotion that we wanted because it included something, I guess, politically sensitive in the title. So we couldn't really understand if we were doing something that was inappropriate or engaging in audience based propaganda. Exactly. Exactly. I think they thought that we were maybe advertising for the Biden administration. And then we also got some pushback too on um, some of the emails that we sent out. People just not understanding the title or thinking that namely as a brand was taking a position politically. And all we were really trying to do was talk about things HR professionals should be aware about from a compliance perspective. So I think it was just a good example of how you can have the best intentions, but you have to be really specific in your messaging and also kind of think through what impact that messaging could have if you're trying to put any paid spend behind it. Yeah, that's a great example. And in, in that example, you were maybe too specific and maybe just t- saying administration as opposed to Biden. Yes, that that's a, a fantastic example. On the flip side, has there been uh, anyone you can, any event you can think of that like surprisingly took off where you're like, whoa, look at that. Yeah. I mean, I actually think the lunch and laugh was huge for us because we were able to make that event work for so many different reasons. We thought of it fully as just a thought leadership event. We got a ton of registrations. I think that was probably our highest registration event of the year so far. But then because we did that mini product demo, we also got a huge chunk of what we consider MQLs that we passed directly to our sales development team. And I don't know if I already mentioned this, but what we have had a lot of success with is doing a poll in these thought leadership webinars, because if you don't already use it, you should definitely use the poll features when you're doing these virtual events. Um, And we just ask, is anyone interested in learning more about Namely's HR platform? So they maybe didn't attend this event with any interest in learning more about Namely, but potentially now you've got them on the line, you know, they've they've engaged with your brand, they, they trust you now, and they might now be interested in raising their hand for that. So we include those polls in every thought leadership event. But we got a ton after we did this little funny demo in the lunch and laugh one. So it was great for MQLs. And then we also wanted it to be somewhat of uh, just kind of a carrot that the sales team could use if they had any stalled accounts. So we actually let them offer lunch gift cards to any prospects that they were actively engaged with. So we didn't have to spend on everybody, but we were able to put spend where it really mattered on these active deals. And they, you know, it was lunch on us for the lunch and laugh. So it was, it was really a great event in terms of hitting all the different facets and being successful for us in a, in a lot of different ways. And want to give a little more detail on this lunch and laugh because you hired comedian Joe Zimmerman, who is well-known, been on Tonight Show, been on Comedy Central. How did you contain the registration to only those who were HR professionals or in your target demo and not be 
anyone who's an, a Joe Zimmerman fan. And then how did you structure the lunch and laugh to be relevant to Namely? We actually weren't super concerned about being limited with who could attend, um, which was part of the appeal of going with a comedian. If you do stuff like uh, wine tasting, right? A lot of companies have done wine tastings or trivia. They, they usually have set caps. You can only have this many people or you're paying per person for what it is. So you'd really want to make sure whoever comes better be somebody in you know your target profile. With a comedian, it was kind of like the more the merrier. Uh, anybody can join. I think there was like a 30,000 limit on the people that could join the Zoom. So we were less concerned about making sure it was just our target audience. We figured either way, it's a good brand play just for the Namely brand as a whole. That said, we obviously, when we put spend, we, we put spend towards our target audience for any type of paid social or paid display. And of course, the people that follow the Namely brand and are in our database are our relevant contacts. So for by and large, it was it was people that we wanted <laughs> to, to be there, if you will. So the way we tailored it was obviously we were all going through the, the same thing. It had been a really tough year, especially for HR professionals who had to be at the forefront of the changing workforce and how to do compliance. So it was just kind of this mindset of, hey, we've all been in this. It's been brutal for HR. We want to just give you a chance to laugh and to, to just have a relaxing afternoon. And then we did that demo up front that was funny. So we kind of made it a comedic demo skit where it was an HR professional who was you know, sick of one of her managers who never submits timesheets and nobody reads her emails. So we kind of talked about how, you know, the Namely feed can help with posting that stuff. So we we tied the theme of laughing into this demo that tied it back to the product. And then again, got people kind of intrigued and excited to learn more about Namely, which was which was really helpful. But overall, we didn't try to do too much to make it all about Namely and all about our product. We really wanted to just be kind of like a gift to our audience and these people who have gone through so much in the past year. You had, it sounds like you have a pretty well-oiled machine in terms of sales and marketing working together with a event strategy. And I don't want to assume that that is the norm. For those marketers that are listening who are like, oh gosh, it sounds like they have their sales team plugged in, like, oh, mine would never do that. What do you wish sales leaders understood about virtual events? You are right. I am very lucky. Our head of sales is really awesome from a marketing standpoint where he gets it. He understands the importance of all of go-to-market being aligned since we're all in it for the same things. But I think what other people need to work on and what other sales leaders should understand is that it's the job of everyone to promote the brand. It's not just marketing and marketing certainly can't do it alone. It's so simple to share stuff on your social. It's, it takes two minutes to just take the time and promote it. And oftentimes the sales team is the one that really has the most connections in your audience because they're constantly going out there and trying to connect with those people. So them sharing it can be so much more impactful than you know somebody on marketing sharing it who maybe hasn't built that same network. So my head of sales has said this and it's been really helpful. He thinks it's just table stakes or part of the job. If you are on the sales team, it's expected that you should be part of promoting this and encouraging people to come and putting it on your social. So I think if more sales leaders could kind of get in that mindset and realize that, you know, ultimately if their team engages, it's going to get them more pipeline and more close one deals. I think that would be important. But I also think we could turn that back on ourselves in marketing of our role to educating them. 
And that's something we've tried a lot to do, especially this year with the whole company. And even in our most recent go-to-market all hands is circling back and showing them, hey, look, when we did this social storm, it resulted in this many registrations. And it resulted in this uptick of visitors to our website. So do you see the direct impact that you guys just engaging and sharing has had for all of us and the bottom line? Nikki, this has been awesome. I've learned a lot. I took a ton of notes, even just thinking about our own strategy with events. I love this idea of this live customer case study. I think that's a really cool idea um, and something that I'm going to look into. Is there anything else that we didn't tackle that you want to make sure that we cover today? One other thing that I'll say that we haven't touched a lot on, and it's not giving enough credit to our partners, is that we really have a lot of success doing these events and co-hosting with partners. And I think it's something that can be really valuable. And when I say that, I'm not speaking of just people that maybe your product is integrated with. I'm talking about people who have a very similar ICP. They kind of play in the same space, but they're not a direct competitor. And when you kind of team up with one of them to do a topic or to host something that's relevant to both of your audiences, it can just double the amount of registrations that you get. You're promoting it to both both sides, both databases, which is awesome. Um, and it can be just a really great way to tag team even the effort that goes into building out the content for these events. So for smaller marketing teams like Namely's or teams that are maybe just starting up, don't have a huge budget, I think remembering that you can kind of barter with your partners and work with them can be really valuable. It just kind of doubles your marketing team. That's great advice. I think that wraps us up. As we end every episode, I ask our guests if they have a signature or favorite toast to send us out. So I am not a big toaster. I definitely never the one who's asked to do this at parties. But <laughs> the one that comes to mind is we just hosted a Oktoberfest party this weekend. So of course, all we were saying is Prost, which is cheers in German. So that is the, the toast I can think of right now. That is a perfect toast for the fall season. I love it. Prost, Nikki, thank you so much. I will drink to that. Thanks again to Nikki for joining me on SaaS Half Full. I learned a lot. Love the idea of this live customer story. Might be stealing that from last media. Nikki was joining me for a drink. It was not the lovely cocktail kit that we sent her because she was opting for wine. But if you want your own cocktail kit, we can do that for you. Simply head over to shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full. And you'll get 10 bucks off your first cocktail kit and it will be delivered straight to your door. What's better than that? Always appreciate the listen and until next time, bottoms up.